Gridlions is a proud sponsor of Public Power Underground, a subsidiary of Nextair Energy and the leading transmission company in North America. Gridlions is a transmission-only utility company that's more than just wires. With operations in three regional transmission organizations, Gridlions works with electric cooperatives and municipal utilities to create collaborative solutions that integrate renewable energy and improve the reliability and resiliency of the electric grid. Learn more at gridlions.com. That's G-R-I-D-L-I-A-N-C-E dot com. We started in hard times to bring us all in Into the laughter through thick and through thin For public power enthusiasts without and within Roll on enthusiasts, roll on Welcome to a special recording of Public Power Underground in a windowless conference room at NWPPA's 83rd Annual Conference, a membership meeting in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm Paul Dockery, the host of Public Power Underground and Senior Manager of Energy Resource Strategy and Planning for Seattle City Light. Joining me for this informal conversation is our three energy enthusiasts like me. First is Ben Serurier, who works for Fervo Energy on government affairs and policy. Hello, Ben. Hello, Paul. Welcome. It's good to be here. Thank you. You presented today at the conference about super hot rocks and how to crack them. Yeah, we're in a windowless room. We're talking energy. Feels appropriate. Feels good, right? Yeah. Feels like this is where we belong. Feels good. Joining Ben and I is Leah Fisher, and nor- a Northwest energy expert and senior project manager for GDS Associates. Hi, Leah. Hi, happy to be here. I, we were talking about this yesterday. I think you may have had back-to-back appearances on Public Power Underground where, Leah, you were the celebrity guest star, and then, Ben, you were the celebrity guest star. Dynamic duo. It was. A, it was they were great. They were back-to-back great episodes. First time meeting in person, though, here at the conference. This yeah. Exciting. Yes, it was, and it is. And lastly, joining us is Matthew Shretnik. A public power underground special correspondent. Have you ever? You've never been a celebrity guest star. I have never been a celebrity guest star it's because you're part of the. You're the, you're one of the stars. You're one I, of the star. That, that may be the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Paul. Yeah. Oh man, I feel like I've given you better compliments than that. Uh, Matt is the director of operations and general counsel for Northwest Requirements Utilities. Hi, Matt. Hi, Paul. We already had some good banter, but hello anyway. No. I am I am super excited to be here, and uh, thanks very much for having me back. Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation because we're going to try out a new segment called Half-Baked Ideas. It's inspired by a Bill Simmons segment with Kevin Wild. For those of you who, like me, listen to sports podcasts, you may get that reference. My enjoyment of the segment is mostly about the discussion of maybe good ideas, maybe bad ideas, um, that at least highlight some interesting angle or aspect. So we're looking for... Maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's a bad idea. I haven't thought it all the way through. And then we're going to kind of think it through or not. Maybe somebody will just make fun of the idea, which I suspect Ben's going to make fun of some of my ideas. They're half-baked because the ideas end up being like when one of the contestants in the Great British Bake Off misjudges. Have you seen? You watch the Great British Bake Off. Uh, every single episode. Yes. And this happens, wow. right? Mm-hmm. Where they misjudge the amount of time it's going to take mm-hmm. to do something. And then they just have to make it look good with frosting. Mm-hmm. It ends up half-baked. It ends up being somewhat cringeworthy because when they get to the judges' table, you know they're going to get a bad judgment. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not looking for the cringe. We're really looking for the dialogue around whether it's good or not. Does that make sense? But I, but I think we, we do want to avoid the soggy bottom if we can. We got to avoid the soggy so bottom. The soggy bottom is like the ultimate fear in that show, right? It's like the pies. Mm-hmm. You just can't 
do the soggy bottom. I mean, we're, it's a crossover here, but I'm, I'm reminded of the Ted Lasso scene where May is dancing around, poor little cake, soggy bottom. I don't remember. You're going to have to put that in in post. We're going to put that in in post. Um, I do blind bake my pie shells now because you have of to. the great bit of base off. I was like, I didn't know this was a thing. Now, I do was you making have... pies without blind baking the crust, and now I know better. Do you have the, um, the clay beads that you put in or the metal beads that you put in, or do you just use like dry beans like a I pedestrian? Use, I use dry beans like a pedestrian. Yeah. I, I was, yeah, I got suckered in. I've got that Amazon purchase to prove it. Yep. Yeah. I've wandered into the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is exactly, this is, this is the right kind of podcast because they're half-baked ideas. Uh, so that's, that's what we're doing here. We're floating energy industry or energy ad- industry adjacent ideas uh, that maybe we're too embarrassed to float on energy Twitter, but we're comfortable here because it's a podcast, super low stakes. Um, I have a list. We all have, I think, lists of three, maybe good ideas, maybe terrible ideas, maybe okay ideas. Um, I hope we all feel comfortable bringing up those lists. We may not get through all three of them. We'll go through one at a time. Uh, be enthusiastic, be compassionate, be charitable, also be honest. Um, we aren't it's hard British to be all judges of those here. At the same time, they aren't, we aren't. We aren't British judges here, right? I mean, maybe Matt is. Mm-mm. No, you're not. No. Good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Ben, I'm going to start with you. Notoriously, super hot rocks are are not a half baked idea. They're very baked. Yeah, and there's a whole baking, geothermal bread baking joke I can make here, which I won't. Okay. But just know that that's a pathway that we could you, have taken. That you took a different path. Yeah. You took a different path. Can yeah. you, let's start. We all have our list. Give us, give us one of the ideas uh, on your list. Half baked idea. I, I, have a, I have an idea for a Kaiso rebrand. Okay. All right. It's the, the ISO you, you know and love. But say you're a Kaiso, say you're having trouble uh, selling your. ISO to an intermountain west, maybe. For, for instance, maybe. For instance, I, for me, maybe. Asking for <laughs> not, not that there's any. Maybe. Okay. What if you changed your name to the Cowboy ISO? You don't even need to change the data coding, right? CISO. It's right there. The Cowboy ISO. Are you saying that? Who says Kaiso, no? Who says no? Are you saying Kaiso use CISO? For their data coding instead of CA ISO? Yeah, because it's four acronyms. Mm-hmm. I've, That's right. Yeah, right? Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Okay. Sarah, I didn't know. I, I, mean, yeah. I thought it was weird Branding too. Branding like, is CA ISO, but the, yeah. but the data side, yeah, yeah. he's right. So he's those, those Excel files just transfer right over, mm-hmm. you know? Okay. No need to update anything. You're not a cowboy ISO. I don't think, I think legally, some of those Intermountain West states uh, are obligated to sign up if that's true. There may be legislation already on the You're subject. You're the lawyer. Yeah. I know very little about the um, existing legislation it's in the United States. It's a half-baked idea. <laughs> Who says no? Who says no? Who says no? Does California say no? You are a Californian. Oh, are you this a This is a podcast. Don't just put that out there. Are you a Californian? <laughs> yes. You live in California. I was born and raised in the Bay Area. That's okay. Right. I didn't know that. Okay. Does California say no? Uh, so far, they have. Yes. Yes. I think uh, each and every time I've texted uh, objectively, them. Objectively. Yeah. yeah. Have you thought about the logo, how that would change with Cowboy oh, ISO? Good. I have lots of thoughts, but I just, see? it's your idea. No, so. no, no. This is where yeah. it needs to generate steam. It's going to start here. I see a top here. hat, you know, the cowboy hat, and there's oh, like maybe yeah. a grid element in there, but there's there's places that could go. Yeah, like an HVDC tower, like wearing a cowboy hat. Ooh. Yeah. With the wires as the lasso? Yes. Yes. It's got a little El Paso going on there. I mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Electric company. Oh, is that what El Paso Electric Company does? They have. Well, well I think they have that cool logo. Yeah, their their the logo is the same oh. as the electric company, the old PBS show. Um, 
I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm impressed you guys know El Paso's logo. I don't. I think it's probably because they spend too much time on Twitter. <laughs> I have an extensive knowledge of useless information. Yeah. Yeah. If it's irrelevant, I probably have it at hand. I do think that we might be operating under the mistaken assumption that the only reason they haven't joined is the name. I've seen no other reason. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Price okay. formation, governments. Well, that's it. And renewables integration. I'm with you. Hasn't it's come up yet. <laughs> it's the just name been, keeps coming up. Every you are onto something, though, that the name doesn't help. And the with, ca- with Cowpoke ISO, you've basically, I mean, there's a nominative determinism aspect of it. I mean, it's inevitably well, going to be... Now we're in the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry. Nominative yeah. determinism. You've heard the expression, right? I, I have. I heard it. Don't remember what it means. Uh, that that your, your destiny is predetermined by your name, right? So look at Tom Hanks' sons. You, you name one Colin, you end up with a Colin. Mm. The other one's named Chet. He's definitely a Chet. Right? Big chat, big chat energy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Cowpoke, inevitably yeah. going to end up with an Intermountain West participation. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, great, great start to half baked ideas. Uh, Aaliyah, do you want to you want to follow up on that half baked idea? Yeah, with one that of your one was really ideas? fun. This one, so it's called Kids and Grids. Kids and Grids. And I will say, so of my three ideas, they, it kind of starts warm and fuzzy, and then we get like real draconian and dark pretty quick. <laughs> Okay. I'm into this. Yes. We'll start nice and nice and fuzzy. So, okay. Especially here at the conference, I feel like we've heard so much about how transmission, getting transmission built, like that's one of our key challenges today for sure. And I would say one of the reasons that's a challenge, not the whole reason is people, right? Like we just know that there's not enough human resources to be doing this work from, you know, transmission queue to actually like building the transmission and resources. And so as, as I thought about this, you know, I think there's, there's an element here where I feel like there's a PR branding issue we have in our industry. Yes. Right? So when I tell someone I work in energy, they kind of glaze over, like there's just all of that. Like no one says when they're a kid, like I want to grow up and I want to work in the energy industry, right? It's like, it's a fireman, it's a doctor, it's all these things. So I think we need to be better at that because we do have a really essential role, for sure, right? I mean, when we think about, like, reliability and Mission, blackouts. Purpose. like yeah, we got great. There are really big impacts to something like that occurring. Yep. So, I mean, you can be, like, an energy industry expert that saves lives. Like, this is all, you know, like, we just got to do more with the branding here. So, I think it's partially branding for kids and just getting that message out there. What does it mean to work in the energy industry? And then even beyond that, like, more education, at the primary level for kids about what the heck this industry is. Like, what do we do here? Why is it cool? Why is it exciting and interesting? Why is it relevant and important? So Kids and Grids is branding to kids more about the benefits of working in this industry, why it's important, and then adding it into their actual education and curriculum. I like it. Kids and Grids. Kids and Grids. And it's all educating, indoctrinating. Kids and grids is a, a little great education, word. but a little like marketing. So you know, there's there's a combo. There. I, I, my four year old niece, I would love to get her like a little you know HVDC connecta set situation. You know, she's got the Lincoln logs, but the Lincoln logs does not have a power component to it. Right. I don't not need power yet. engineering. Famously. Not electrified. Well, yeah, but you know, you can't get the kids excited about you know an, an unelectrified cottage in the woods. It's true. 
where's the power lines? Yeah. Like bring your mom or dad to work day, right? Like nobody wants, like right now, right? It's not exciting. Like, well, my mom that works on the energy issues, but we got to fix that because it is exciting. But you know, the, uh, going to see like an ISO board, you know, like if you go into like the op, like the control room, the control room really cool. are really cool. That's straight up NASA stuff. Yep. Some field trips that that's are focused cool. on this. I mean, yep. you have yep. to go to Folsom or wherever, but that's cool. But yeah. then you get to leave. Field trip. Um, dams. The dams are really cool. I, I, so uh, to make this small? a little bit more, to make holes? this a little bit more, I mm. think I think it's like we need to get in touch with the creators of Bluey and then have Bluey have an episode that's focused on energy. I think we'd have to figure out how to so mm. how to get them. You back and I have talked about this, right? So um, I, I think Ben is once again in the wrong podcast. Uh, but Bluey, a children's show. I don't know if you're familiar with it or not. Yeah, uh, Bandit the dad um, is an archaeologist. Yep. Dogs dig up and bury bones. Chili the mom um, works at the TSA. Drug sniffing dog or bomb sniffing dog or what have you. So we'd have to try and find a, a crossover for the grid that would apply to dogs uh, in order to kind of keep that theme alive for Bluey. I think that would that would help with the pitch. Um or we could just create a what, brand new show. What I don't type know. of dog would work on yeah, the grid? It'd be know. a cat uh, to like get. That's not a type of dog at all. I don't know the type <laughs> yeah. of dog at all. We got to keep baking that work. one. I'm not baking that one. I'm not a veterinarian, <laughs> but I, I, I need to plug here. The geothermal industry does have a children's book. Oh, it does. That's impressive. Yes, uh, our friends over at Baseload Capital, which is a Swedish-based but international finance and development uh, organization. Uh, have published a children's book called Our Hidden Powers. I believe it's available on uh, Amazon and wherever fine energy-related children's books are sold. And hopefully in the show notes, if I can remember to find it and put it in the show notes. That's great. I mean, we should maybe have one that's... Our Hidden Powers. Our Hidden Powers. Huh. Yeah. Yep. The sooner we can convince kids that they just need to be electricians and or work on power policy, uh, utility regulation, then the better. We just get any more people. Okay, I, uh, another great half-picked idea. Matt, what do you got for us? Anything? Where do I even start? So, um, you familiar with the Kardashev scale? Nope. Okay, cool. I don't know cool. what that means. I don't even know if I want to go down that path. So, um, Russian, uh, I want to say astrophysicist. I don't even know if that's accurate. Um, but uh, guy created a scale that would... Um, kind of identify how advanced a civilization was based on how much of the the energy of its solar system or galaxy it was capturing that didn't necessarily just get you know quote unquote wasted um, and so there are there are different levels level one is basically where we are today where we've been for the past you know 100 years or so level two would be we're able to harness all of the output of the sun a level three civilization I think in theory is able to harness all of the energy that is produced in their galaxy um, so, Holy cow. which is a lot, and that's not what I'm proposing. That would be less than half baked. I'd, I'd submit. Now, the, the, what I am proposing is is kind of a twofold idea here. So we, we've seen um, we have, we've seen space solar referred to in, in various IRPs throughout the West recently, and I think that there's something to be said for um, you know geosynchronous or satellites in geosynchronous orbit that are able to um, basically get sun. Solar energy 24-7. You're not going to worry about the neck of the duck, right? Um, but what you do have to worry about is how you get that energy back home. Um, we don't want a bunch of wires coming down. That seems dangerous, I think. Um, it does for, seem dangerous. For planes and birds and people. Um, 
But uh, so first, we need a space elevator. There's going to be a lot of benefits of this. Obviously, you know, escaping the gravity well, launch would be a heck of a lot easier. Um, we would have the ability to, to, you know, hopefully clean up what's out there right now. So you'd be mining all of the existing uh, satellites that are otherwise just going to fall to the earth at some point. Um, asteroid mining, all that good stuff. But more importantly, um, be able to collect um, the energy from those space solar satellites um, and actually transmit it down on, you know, the HVDC that we mentioned earlier that we could then turn into uh, something a kid could build. Uh, so it's a lot. Can you, can you help me out with? Okay, so the, well, the space idea—that space solar is fully baked. Mm -hmm. In the sense that there are executed PPAs for space solar. Does that make something fully baked? When you have an executed PPA, that's when it's fully baked, not when it actually happens, just when you get a PPA on something. But see, I don't think it's, the, the, that's not the half-baked part. I think it's the space elevator. Space elevator. Or okay. it's the well, transmission, or it's the wireless transmission. So that, that's, you're, you're reading ahead. That's a different one of my... Half-baked ideas. You could use... This is all the half-baked ideas in one project. <laughs> yeah, but I was actually wondering if you were going to go with the, okay, we can use... Use the other half-baked idea. Because well, so the wireless transmission aspect of it, the idea here is that the, the, the space elevator would be... It would, it would provide a focal point for all of these various solar... Space solar satellites. Um, one central location for them through whatever lasers they use today. I'd feel silly saying x-ray lasers or how they transmit their energy, but I'm pretty sure that's how they actually get their energy. Um, from what? From the solar satellites. That's how they transmit the energy to Earth. If, I mean, we've already got executed PPAs, or at least in theory. Is that the half-baked idea? Not in theory. Those, those it's a matter of public record. <laughs> Pacific Gas and Electric in 2009 executed a 200 megawatt solar, solar, uh, space solar PPA. My so point is... CPC website. Put it in the show notes. You're going to... I it's microwaves, that. I believe. I love Maybe we'll find that. I Mi actually, well, I microwaves that and... We'll put that in the show notes, too. Microwave lasers, then. That's what it is. Um, okay. Not x-ray lasers. Okay. But the idea being that there would be a central focal point. We're not going to have to worry about actually transmitting that to Earth and potentially, you know, what, something moves and all of a sudden, you know, your neighbors are getting baked. Um, you don't want that, particularly given the fact that it's microwaves. I got to be honest, Matt, this idea sounds pretty baked. Can we, so space elevators, I had no concept of it until, spoiler alert, I read the three-body problem mm -hmm. and they have a space elevator in the three-body problem. Mm -hmm. I would, and I don't really get it. The idea is you just build a tall enough structure that it gets out of the gravity ball. Is that the idea? Is that I mean, what a space elevator is? I mean, there, there's more to it just in that it's, it's harder. <laughs> it's kind of hard to do. What does the space elevator do? So we've got the PPA, and what is the space elevator? So two, uh, two functions in this case, right? So, so far as the half-baked idea is concerned and the solar is concerned, it acts as a central focal point for all of these satellites to, to transmit the energy that they have collected through their solar panels. Okay. Um, and then there would just be a wire in the middle, well, so presumably. Corridor, oh, 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 like, oh, it's the transmission also. Exactly. So they, transmit, they collect it back to the space elevator, and it's got yeah. you know, some HVDC. Bingo. Um, because, I mean, the biggest hurdle, I, actually, I should say, one of the really big hurdles yeah, with, one, with yeah. space solar is getting the energy from this from satellite from space. I've, I feel so silly saying space so many times. Um <laughs> It, down to, you know, down to Earth, down to terrestrial... Dude, I keep thinking about a kid's book for this, Consumers. Though. Come oh, on. Good. Space, like, right? Everyone wants kids love space. The space final the frontier. Energy. Space, the energy frontier. <gasps> the energy front. My yeah. God, this thing is going to sell itself. So we're, we're baking this here. Okay, I have a question. 
I don't know I if it's serious. I have a lot or not. of questions. We'll depend on your all's reaction if this is a serious question or not. Okay, so geoengineering, they talk about putting mirrors into space. If I put solar panels into space, it does a, it functions similarly, right? Only if you're getting in the way, right? So in theory, you can simply have solar panels in geosynchronous orbit on the sides of the Earth that are collecting sunlight that would not have gone anywhere near the Earth to begin with, right? Interesting the, the, theory. The, the purpose of the, the geoengineering mirrors that you're referring to are to reflect solar radiation that would have otherwise hit the planet and warmed it up. Okay. Um, I, I do want to just go straight to the wireless transmission, though, because it's, we already talked about 50% of it. Okay. Did you want to talk more about the wireless transmission aspect? So we're doing a... We could do space elevate. We could do solar, space, space solar, wireless through an elevator. You could do that. Wireless through the elevator? Well, there'd be no point at that point, right? Um, because yeah, you've got the infrastructure. The point of the elevator, so let's just yeah. move on. No, the point of the elevator is that you, you get multiple benefits from having built this thing, but... Because then you can... It's easier to get the things up in space. You're, yeah. You, it's you're, used you're, and useful. Exactly. Used and useful. Um, and at that point... Is that a term of art? Is that a FERC thing? I forgot this is a public power podcast. God. We're not, it, yeah, we're not looking to rate-base this thing, man. This is about the public benefit. How are we going to CapEx, though? <laughs> <laughs> it's for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so no, it would be really expensive. I mean, it would be like a trillion dollars plus. Okay. So um, okay. maybe uh, we're not the right ones to do it. But with that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, go, go, the, the wireless transmission, are, this, is, this is on Earth, the wireless transmission. Yeah, so that was, that was, um, that was one of my other um, potentially less than half-baked ideas with a soggy bottom. The, uh, um, you know, the fact is, back in 1900, 1901, you had uh, Nikola Tesla out on Long Island with, uh, was it um, Wardenclyffe? I got to look at my notes. Tower. Um, did I get that right? I did get that right. Wardenclyffe Tower. Um, he was working on uh, the ability to uh, basically take advantage of the Earth's um, latent uh, frequencies in order to transmit electricity wirelessly, um, both off of the ionosphere, if I understand correctly, but then also um, just through uh, terrestrial infrastructure, just the ground, um, because the Earth uh, resonates at a particular frequency. Um, and it worked. Uh, supposedly. I don't know. I wasn't there. But okay. uh, my whole point is this was over 120 years ago. Why the hell haven't we figured this out? The biggest hurdle that everybody speaks to um, with respect to decarbonization and integration of renewables and um, well, all of the issues that we're dealing with right now with respect to um, generation and load imbalance and, and all of the problems we're trying to solve um, are transmission related in some way. If we had wireless transmission, this would not be a problem. We wouldn't have to worry about permitting reform if we didn't have to worry about putting steel on the ground and, you know, dealing with these HVDC issues, right? Do, do we think that's actually true? Because I would expect there to be some permitting process for these microwave where paths. So you, maybe you avoid the land rights, land think, acquisition, but you, like the permitting... I mean, we're still going to permit the microwave path, right? If there is a microwave path, right? Is that even necessary? I, I, that's why this is really probably I less than that big. I don't know how it works either, okay. but I think okay. it should work, okay. right? Okay. You know, where I always go back in my head is Independence Day. Um, the, the, the actor that played Data was all excited because when the aliens showed up, everything started turning itself on because they had wireless energy transfer. I find that the most important part of me thinking that something should happen 
is not understanding it at all. Generally speaking, yeah. Uh, well, we have wireless charging. We have wireless charging. It's apparently very inefficient, mm-hmm. but it works. My toothbrush charges wirelessly. My phone, I guess, might be able to. Um, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one of my half-baked ideas out now. It's district cooling. Mm-hmm. District cooling. Mm. Great half-baked idea. You are, we have district heat. It's very common uh, in some parts of the world where you can use some of that beautiful thermal energy from the earth to do some work and useful stuff. District cooling, especially for areas where there is not currently a lot of high penetration of air conditioning. So you already have to invest a lot of new capital into like air conditioning for, for this as the world gets warmer and uh, more places will need air conditioning. So as you have these cities that maybe didn't need air conditioning before but are going to need it, district cooling is a new utility that could spring up that could provide some cooling capacity. So I think think district cooling is a thing. I think this was already baked. Well, it doesn't mean it's baked. Space solar PPA. I think... But, but I, do th- I do think it's a thing. Well, first of all, on individual buildings, I know there, is, there are actual commercial like skyscrapers that use uh, ice. Yes. And mm-hmm. they freeze a, a big block of ice, and then they use the ice to cool air, water, what have you, and you use that to cool the building. Yep. So they're, we're starting from a good place. We're yes. building it, too. It's a district. It, too, is a district. Yes, absolutely. This is a thing in Lake Ontario, I think, as well. Uh, There's a very big question mark on that uh, one. Toronto, I, I pulled up the article, it's right here. Toronto has a cooling project in operation. They call it Deep Lake Water Cooling System. When I was Googling my half-baked idea, I ended up, oh, this is already thing. Because it's like too sink, obvious. Right? Like it wasn't. No, a, I was going to no, say, how do you do obvious. this without a, without a giant lake? Um, and I don't saying, know how. Maybe I know a city that has a mm. giant body of water adjacent to it that I mean, also he, is he increasing the need. in this mode, right? Yeah. And as Dr. Incropera would point out, air is a really inefficient heat transfer. Uh, That's where medium. I was going to go with it. So, How do you do this? Are we are we going to have ductwork from a uh, from a central facility to everybody's house like we used those, to? Toss those evaporator coils into the body of water, and then you just run some stuff through it, and it cools it down. It's district cooling. That's what they did in Ontario, I think. And, and you're and right I'm that there's more of a need for it going forward. Yeah. So maybe even though it's baked or, you know, it just hasn't been implemented yeah. as often. I, feel like I think the there. biggest challenge is this isn't the type of infrastructure project where it all has to be bespoke, right? Yeah. Any district model um, all has to be custom engineering and bespoke. So it's a huge capital project. Yeah. It would be a huge It has to be project. a utility. I feel like ground source deep and pumps for everyone is a better, is a better path forward. It's ah. a good question. Do you get economies of scale? I don't think you do because air is such a poor... Because but you're, it's not getting, hold its you're getting economies of scale if it's district cooling, because if everybody has to drill their own ground source heat pump for their own, it's way, like, that's way inefficient. Everybody has to have their own. That's way more bespoke. Um, Leah, I'm going to come back to you for okay. another half-baked okay. idea if well, you're ready for it. What do we want? Do we want to keep it the progression of fuzzy to dark, dark or possible. just go straight yeah. dark? I'm going to leave <laughs> it to your sit here in a windowless room. All right, let's, let's go dark. All right, okay. this, one, this one's got a name, too. So it's called Cut Me Off Conservation. Ooh, this sounds like we're going really dark. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Might be a little controversial. All right, so, so let me kind of frame it up. 
So I work in the energy industry and I will make a confession that even though that is the case, I am completely lazy when it comes to things like, you know, leaving the room, let's turn off the lights when we leave the room. That's a smart thing to do. That conserves energy. I don't do that. I should do that. Or like thinking about laundry, right? Like we all know it's probably better to do your laundry off peak using those appliances, do it off peak. It's a better idea. I don't do that either. So as I was thinking about conservation, I do think there are a, there's a good subset of people out there like myself, and I'm not talking about when I go into this, I'm not talking about you know, essential electricity usage, right? So I'm not talking about like turn my lights off. I'm thinking about things like, you know, if you have an EV, charging your EV, doing your dishes, doing your laundry. I suggest that all of that load, you could just cut me off. You could set me up with an app and say, this is the amount of usage you have left for the day. You can't do this. You can't do this laundry. You can't do this charging after X time in the afternoon or day, whatever it is. You could just cut me off. And I would be totally fine with that. As long as I have some notifications. So it would have to be like an app or something that tells me, you know, after this time or like you could do it different ways. It could be like after a certain time you're cut off or here's how much usage you have left for the day. Then you're cut off. But you could cut me off. And like, where it's different, I think, than like demand response, that requires me, like through a program, to opt in. This yep. is simply saying, we have a problem, and we as a society need to actually conserve, so we're going to be hard. We're just going to cut people off. You do not get a choice. Again, it's not, you know, I'm not talking about like your lighting, but for things that are, you know, discretionary, you know, energy usage, a straight cutoff. And I personally, I don't think everyone, I would even be willing for someone to say, on this day, as long as I have like, you know, a little bit of advance warning, we're going to cut you off for four hours. We're going to have no electricity, nothing. I, I would just play board games in the dark. I'd be totally fine with it. So I may be an anomaly there, but I think there are more people out there that would be willing just to have their usage cut off if it's not something that's essential and if they had a little forewarning. It's controversial. No, no one may agree with me. It's a hot take. It is a really <laughs> hot rationing. take. I mean, is like, there an opt-out so that if you're doing something and you get the notification, you can be like, not today? You could set it up that way. What I'm saying is that there wouldn't be an opt-out. So it's, it's like more valuable if it's not, right? Right. We're entering into this new paradigm where it's so important that I don't get an opt-out. Of course you would if it was for something like all of your, your electricity being turned off. But just to say you can no longer do laundry, I don't get an opt-out. I get a warning, but no. So I, I, I think part of the issue with this level of selective choice is having the ability to respond in that way or like to bifurcate your electricity usage like that. Like I was part of a Ohm Connect, which is a residential okay. demand mm -hmm. response program in, in at least it's, it's available in, in many areas of, of California. And, and, and when you say that you were part of it, you participated? I participated. You were so not working I would for get it a warning. No, no, I would get a warning or I'd get an alert from them connect and they'd say super peak, you know, if you reduce your usage from a baseline, and it's the baseline based on my apartment, uh, I would, it's gamified. I'd win some number of points or something. And I could train those points in for something. Anyway, yep. I live in a small apartment, and so I had very little ability to actually turn off anything. And it's like, if my fridge turned on, like at any point during the hour, I couldn't beat my baseline because it was my biggest electricity use. But I think with, with um, so I just didn't have an ability to respond. However, there's all sorts of smart panels now, and yep. span and stuff like that. I don't know all this span stuff. Span is cool. I want one. It, could we get to a place where you could, like on your phone, just say like, look, Wi-Fi, I'm keeping that, but TV off, fridge off, you know, you can choose like 
which things get opted in and out, and then you could really curtail this to your particular needs. Or better yeah, yet, that's, give that's a kinder way to work do that it. into the smart meter, <laughs> so that the utility has the ability to do that on an aggregated basis. Yeah, I would like to know, though. Yeah, it would be there would be time associated with it and so forth. And I do think you know one thing that I, I will acknowledge with this among among many holes is that it would be very hard for for folks to you know participate in this if you didn't have a smartphone and you didn't have an app and not everybody does so like you can't in order to go with this idea you have to give someone warning that they're going to yeah. be cut off so how do you give warning if someone doesn't have a smartphone and an app so that's that's a challenge so maybe yeah I, I don't know, with, don't know. The, with a lot of demand response stuff i think and we were talking about this uh, the other night like i I think there's a framing difference. It's not that I'm getting cut off. It's that I am monetizing my flexibility. I'm now, I'm creating my home into a grid asset, which is at the end of the day, what anyone wants. Is that what they want? To optimize their electricity that's preferences what, that's for I, financial <laughs> gain. That's why in, I got In the, the circles game. you travel yeah. in and go in, that's what people want. They want to be able to change their <laughs> life into a grid asset. There probably are people that do. I like the optionality a lot. I, I still struggle a little bit with, um, it, it's just, I've got a visceral reaction to, to the idea that we are not obligated to ensure that everybody's got all the electricity they need, 8760. Um, but to the extent that there's a possibility of monetizing flexibility um, and I being think, cut off, I think that's next. I mean, that's going to happen. What I think this is saying is like, I appreciate your concern for my 8760 electricity usage. And I'm telling you that 8750 is going to be pretty cool. Like, I'll take that. I'd like that. Paul may not. But Paul can... So you're saying you, you would like... You can have 8770. You can have my extra 10. You, you're saying 8750 is okay with you. Per, like, that's, that's your... We have no... If there is a blanket assumption on every customer that they must have 100% 8760 to all their appliances, which is the governing assumption of the grid. And I, that has served us very That's well. I think, right? of but with technological prudent. advancement, could we have a choice now to say, hey, I will benefit the grid or something in some way, and I'll get remunerated for that, to not, like I have consumer choice to say, no, I, I actually don't have a need for 8760. I mean, when you think about how we use our electricity in our homes, like we have, we have more flexibility than we need. And... I, don't I have no idea when my hot tub turns on. <laughs> I can't believe it's a hot tub. Yeah, holy cow. Subtle. <laughs> yeah. the, well, we live in the Northwest. He has a hot tub. No invite to the <laughs> like, to go I back have a hot to tub, your, too. He <laughs> has a hot tub, too. But go back to your point, Louis. Like, she's we, willing we, to have we her turn all this in some ways willy-nilly. It's a cold plunge now. And if you could... Right. I, and I think, like I said, like, I mean, I think there are so many areas, even if it wasn't like, I know, I think your idea where you're trying to, you know, have people monetize and have choice. I think that's great. This one was kind of more like, you know, we're in kind of draconian society and like, we really need to conserve, like the time has passed for like all of these options. I think I really like Ben, your kind of idea, your path too, but this one is just saying like, we've got a lot of usage that really isn't necessary. And I think there are people that are like, probably like, Hey, if I understand the issue, I would be totally okay with you taking measures that feel to in today's world, like pretty extreme, like just telling me I get cut off after a certain amount of time. Benevolent load shed. Exactly. Yeah, the exactly. Where I was going to go, right? There, very, like, there's this 
as utility. That, like, there's the, the branding step of today is just been amazing. Exper- externality where I can always just shut off your load. That's my hedge against this thing. Um, but yours is like the the step before. Uh, like I'm I'm not gonna load shed every like indiscriminately. It's load shedding surgically. Yeah, yeah. I'm just picturing a bunch of sweating people in a control room being like, you know, things are getting pretty tight. We better pull the plug on Leah's place. <laughs> we're going to tur- turn off those fucking hot tubs. That's what we're going to turn off. Turn off the hot tubs. No, I got Ben's extra 10, so I'm going to keep mine on next year. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, it's a good transition to my one of my other half-baked ideas, and that is uh, a text-to-bid, a text-to-bid for price responsive demand. Um, we've had Dr. Kyrie Baker on twice on Public Power Underground, and both times I've Flex. asked her about this concept uh, that she posed on Twitter about uh, like adopting the airline practice of if you want to like, offer how much you're willing to get paid to give up your seat on a plane. Um, and so uh, like that is a, I think it's a really interesting experiment to think through how that could work for an electric utility. Um, so like my like only value add on this concept that she already kind of laid out and the airline already does is that you're, you're as a utility, you're calculating the actual value you're willing to pay for a percentage of their load reduction. I think it's more intuitive for me as a customer um, to have like, oh, you'll give me $5 to reduce 50% of my load um, than trying to be like, I'll give like I'll I don't know I'll give you five dollars a megawatt hour to or fifty dollars a megawatt hour if you could calculate on the back end uh, like for that customer how much you're willing to offer them to reduce by like fifty percent for the next hour um, then it becomes more intuitive for that customer to then be like oh that's worth it for me to unplug my hot tub and one of my preferences around this type of stuff is to not rely too much on advanced technological advancement or advanced adoption of these smart devices. I think a lot of a lot of load for peak events is happening while people are home and it's okay to rely on the person to go do something uh, to get that value so they could stop their dryer or stop charging their car um, and also incorporating the like respond back if you don't want to shut off your power for $5, you can just bid back $20. And then you get price discovery on what is their value of like keeping their power on. That's my half-baked idea. Text to bid, dollars for a percent. I like it. The first thought that comes to mind, um, you know, I, beyond that I like it, because I do. How would, so if I'm an average customer, would I but. know what 50% of my load is. That's the only thing that comes to my mind because yep. like if you were to say like you can't do your dishes for the next hour, I think every, you know, everyone can understand that, but 50% of my load, I don't soak. know if I would know, you know, if I'm, if I'm thinking about the average Let's put them in the hot tub. consumer. Yep. So I, so you, the, the half baked addition, the baking a little bit more to that is you yep. include like in your text message, Oh, 50% or $5 to reduce 50% of your load, which you could do by, not using your or turning off there your you dryer Samples. or unplugging your car or not running. I, I consider myself like just obnoxiously well informed about like to Ben's point earlier, like retail load side issues. I couldn't tell you anything about 
like what utilities in my home use what percentage of the energy, uh, my total energy consumption. Yeah, which so is this, fine. But do, it's like, do, do I'll utilities, go my breaker off. What a utility, I'm looking at my utility brethren here. Would a utility have that sort of information as to how much? I just don't know. For example, so, so, so Ohm Connect, if you have, I have to come back to you, Ohm Connect because they do something similar to this mm -hmm. in California, but they're bidding in a capacity product in California on your behalf, and then you have to respond and show up, and there's a on an component basis. Yeah, though. and I get That's if I key. reduced more off the baseline, I would get rewarded more. Um, so it I, has to happen in aggregate because individual homes just not moving the needle unless you're in a really weird end of a feeder system where. So I think Things that's one of the advantages of the utility is the meter data. And if you have good advanced meters, you probably do, you do have access to just what that usage is. Those are five minute currently. ones, right? Isn't that like the smallest it, increment? I think, I think the really good ones are probably five minutes. The normal good ones are probably 15 minutes or an hour. Um, but it does need to be, I think one of the values is if you have a live reading and you can see you can send a text to all the really intense users at the time that have their hot tub running, that have their hot water heater running, like and are, are using 24 kilowatts at the moment. And you can text that group of people. Um, that's, the, that's one of the values of being an electric utility and not being an Ohm Connect. You may have access to that information. One of the other benefits is you're then, it, like, if you're in the extreme cases and you're like at the price cap, um, for the utility, that's a lot of credit risk for whatever you're buying, right? That, that transactional credit risk. Um, if you're doing it, and the other idea is like you settle it on the back end, like just on the bill with your customer. So you have way less credit risk. You're giving the value to your customer instead of some like generator that's the least efficient generator. If you're at the price cap and you're paying your customer the $5 and a bunch of your customers $5, it's, I think, a better solution. You can probably add some premiums above the wholesale price to account for, like, transmission and stuff. I, I mean, what we're talking about here is demand response, which is a good idea, and we're doing more of it. And I feel like technology does enable greater granularity. Actually, he's right. There are PPAs. There are PPAs, oh, so, it's, it's, so full, it's fully baked. It's fully baked. Yeah, it's fully baked. Uh, yeah <laughs> according to the lawyers. Yeah, it's fully <laughs> legal baked. definition. But so would you, I feel like it is fully baked, but not in like the way that you're describing it. So I'm still, I'm still intrigued with it as an idea because. I like the proactive part for sure. Yeah, yeah. That's the part that worries me. I like the, Every, I like the price I, everything discovery that requires part. Yeah. I think, engagement. I think, the value, I think the value, the biggest value is if you can get price discovery on what they view their energy is worth mm -hmm. at the moment. And is mainly one of the ideas, like sources of the ideas, when California sent out that text and they got the the response. Um, that's great. It's basically that, except for you're paying the people. That's the idea. California, when you send out that text, you actually pay the people. That's the whole idea. That's the, actually the whole idea. And so you wouldn't just do it during like grid intense, like we we're in a you know an extreme weather condition. Would you would you save it for that, or would you say like? No, this is something like on a day-to-day -day basis. We're giving you information, and you can just help us out here and there. It's it's for the it's for the former. I think okay. it's the former. Okay. The, okay. And the, it's it's only really works. It don't, you would only ever get a response to the dollar value when like you're at or near your price cap. Quite frankly, because really, 
any like retail, like for an hour of energy use for actual residential customer, even at the price cap, it's like five bucks. Maybe 20 bucks if you're using everything. I'll give you 20 bucks to just turn off. And you could get response from like, oh, I'll go run my generator, but I'm going to run my generator before the power goes off instead of after the power goes off, which is another value add. Like if yep. you can, Unless it's a diesel generator. It's still a value add because they're going to run it anyway, but they're just not going to cause everybody else to go without the power. Yeah, but if you assume that, that the utility has an obligation, then they should be planning accordingly and, and those rolling blackouts shouldn't be a possibility in the first place. Yeah, so it's only, it's only in the extreme events and it's, uh, it's not the programmatic demand response. It is the... Like, hey, man, I, sorry, can't hang out tonight. I'm staying home and calculating my value of lost load <laughs> bid curve. So it's, it's like you, the utility's got to do it for you, right? And, and it's just a response. Oh, $5 for that? That's not me. I'll do it for 30 You know, yeah. there's no calculation. It's more of the gut response. I, so like, I'll text you back 30 I, I, I don't even do text for, for less than 10 bucks. I think some people would have fun with this and enjoy it for, yeah. like, this very, Oh, yeah, and like, if you, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's free money. Yeah, I'll do the thirty bucks, and I'll go. I'll t- turn off my brakes. I'll go. Well, if they're actually main. giving me thirty bucks, if it's thirty bucks a megawatt hour, I'm okay. Yeah, it's nothing, right? It's actually well, if no, it's no, thirty. No, literally, bucks. I don't use enough electricity. Like stuff's getting efficient. Lights don't use that much. What am I going to unplug my computer? Okay. I'm going to go flip my brakes. Again, it's back. It's you the wouldn't fridge. get the text. You wouldn't get the text. Mm. That'll be the highest. Just another just. Friday night, no text. No text. <laughs> I don't believe that about you. You're still sitting at home calculating your lost <laughs> 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 man. But yeah. uh, okay, that was my half baked idea. Uh, okay. Ben, do you have another? Do one? We, uh, yeah, I got one that's energy related, and then there's one that earlier today you called dumb. <laughs> you can just throw it out there. Yeah. And do you want the, do you want the one on that's the more substantive? That was so, un- uncharacteristically uh, blunt. Well, you know, it's a trust I, listen, I remember room. being enthusiastic about it. I think you correctly interpret it as me and calling it dumb. I remember being enthusiastic about the idea. It's true. It's a, it's, so you're both right. So I'm going to go with the energy one. I, so similar to demand response, and that's a real idea that is baked and is a thing, but I think we could do more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, connect and manage for interconnection. So this is kind of what mm. ERCOT does. So it's kind of already baked in some ways. However, there's a lot of discussion around interconnection queues. There's a ton of projects sitting in queues. There's a lot of wireless. Yeah, yeah, and we haven't figured out wireless yet, although Matt's going to solve that soon. And I saw a quote from, from Kaizo uh, the other week talking about how there was like 18 gigawatts of projects that were applying to interconnect to a single substation. And a single substation. And, uh, I love it. I, you know, I was like, why? Okay, fine. Let them try to connect. And if they all get curtailed, then they all get curtailed. And we don't. Why, why aren't we seeing more connect and manage as a reform idea? As utilities and grid operators are putting increasingly onerous readiness requirements and financial um, deposits and stuff, which um, I, I just kind of tamp down the supply of electricity, which I don't think is what we're trying to do with new generation these days, right? We need, just need to bring on electricity mm-hmm. that works, like connect and manage, you know? What, why isn't that not a bigger thing? I Can do- you... Can you differentiate for us the difference between? Or at Sorry, least there's the, investing. There's two, and, two different approaches. Yeah. There's investing connect, which is we uh, build all the transmission that's required to fully deliver the amount of electricity generated from the new project to where it's going. They pay for that uh, up front, and some of it gets reimbursed if it's a network upgrade. Not to go into many interconnection details, but that's that would be the invest and then connect. Invest and connect. The alternative approach might be to the project connects, and if the, if the transmission service availability is not there 
for them to deliver their power to its uh, destination, then they get curtailed. And that's a risk borne by the generator. Yep. And this is uh, notoriously well-baked because Jacob Mage just published a paper about it that yes. neither you or I have read yet. Unless uh, you read it last I night. I read the abstract earlier today okay. to make and sure I wasn't the tab going... is still open on his laptop. Yeah, still open. Uh, <laughs> downloaded it. Shout out Jacob Mays. Shout out Jacob Mays. It's getting, full, it's getting more baked because yes. uh, I think there is an interest in trying to figure out policy techniques for overcoming our Q issues. Yeah, and I think, I guess it's the, the well baking of the ideas. Basically just, in, in this would be a good future show idea, you know, just talk through, especially in WAC, you know, what does this mean for transmission planning and, and transmission service availability, resource adequacy programs? Like, Chaos. how does this change? <laughs> We're, you know, tomorrow we go connect and manage and let us all fend for ourselves. Like, I doubt there's going to be 18 gigawatts trying to connect to a single substation in California. If you use a connect and manage approach where there would take on the obligation with, for all that. I'm not saying it's case. the solution necessarily, yep. but I am interested. It is a different approach. It has shorter interconnection timelines in Texas. I'm sure they do it someplace else too. I think they do it in Europe. I think that yes, what they, sure. it has been on a prior podcast. I believe it was uh, Rob Gramlick who talked yeah. about yeah, Europe having a connect and manage. Ooh, you dropped it's something there, It's like Paul. you're adding efficiency on the one hand, but then you curtail, so you're like decreasing efficiency on the other hand. I don't know. It's about who uh, bears the risk of well, that, I don't think right? those projects yeah. would... Get, you know, they're not going to get financed, right? Because mm -hmm. there's too much risk of that. And so then you, it doesn't solve things because you still need to build the transmission. I think one of the ways it works in this scenario might be if you lump, instead of having individual projects do that transmission planning and shoulder the cost of that, in, that transmission planning through the queue, not a great transmission planning process. You do need to have broader cost-shared system planning that builds the backbone of the system that then allows projects to connect and they manage some of that curtailment risk themselves. Yeah, I love it. Matt, did you have another one that you wanted to share? I, I, that I, I know, wanted to share? I know Leah's other one that is less dark. I really want to end there. Okay. Um, I'm, ha I'm happy to go next. I don't, I don't anticipate a whole lot of conversation around this one. So. Okay, that's perfect. We can um, end on a, just a lightning round of, of bad ideas. And then Ben can get in on with this, this bad idea. A, I mean, this whole, this whole segment has been a very slow lightning round of bad ideas. The, uh, it has not been a lightning round. No lighting round the uh crypto as a battery oh um, god bad <laughs> and this is this is not the reception i was hoping for um so uh bitcoin uh, famously is not a battery right but it should know, be like Ten thousand accounts in my mentions that disagree with you but um we can talk about that later <laughs> we're not gonna spend time now talking about no it now. I, do, okay. I think we should um Bitcoin is not a battery, but I but I do think it should be. I would like to I would like to set aside all of my previous comments with respect to a utility's obligation to serve and and say, um, seeing as how cryptocurrency um, represents an increasing percentage of uh, total gross consumption um, nationwide, worldwide, um, and yet yet somehow miraculously simultaneously generates no societal value or benefit. Um, I think that mandatory demand response programs. Um, Here we go. Um, right. You prefaced it with, despite the fact that I said, so I won't. I won't go there. <laughs> no, you're. I mean, I'm. I. That was me. Um, 
calling my hypocrisy out for all to see. I love it. I love it. Um, so yeah, I think I think mandatory demand response programs for all crypto mining facilities. Um, and as with all non-firm products, service can be curtailed with or without notice for any reason or no reason and without recourse. Um, and I think that that should be um, that should be the first line. Um, and then we I can really we can start texting people. It's still not a battery. It's just we got to it's just a lower level of service. Like this you're, should, you're, it's still not a battery. You're agreeing with me angrily. Um, my my not great uh, half-baked idea was that the best way to explain grids to kids is as jump rope. It's the best way to explain like how the whole grid works. It's my favorite because, gif, by the way. Yeah, because uh, like a, a kid jumping by themselves like a microgrid, like you're, you're in sync, you're controlling this thing by yourself if you've ever seen i remember when i was in like grade school we'd watch these videos they stick it in the vcr of jump rope competitions where it was like all this all these people in sync uh across gyms across america jumping rope and the idea is if you get too many people jumping on a rope at once it'll end up crashing the whole thing they'll get out of sync um and the people swinging the ropes are like generators and the people jumping are like load and that's my pitch uh, that's how you explain that's how I explain grid to my little kids. It's a baked idea. Slower planes. <laughs> All right, slower planes. So you've flown west coast to east coast. You're flying east. It's like a five-hour flight. You're losing three hours is a red eye. This is a terrible flight. What if the plane went slower? So I can leave at... A reasonable hour from the West Coast, I can arrive on the East Coast mid-morning, and I will have slept a full night, or at least, you know, seven hours. Because like a five-hour flight, you're reasonably getting three hours of crappy sleep, at best. At best. But why don't we have a slower plane? Why does it, it doesn't have to go 400, not 500 miles an hour, does it? Why don't it just slower planes? I don't know, does slower it? Slower planes. I don't know, does it? Is that like a- well, I've been on a plane that's gone slower. Okay. So I, it's still flying, right? Aero, How fast? Aero, aerospace? I don't know. I want your idea to solve for people that cannot sleep on planes. Because yeah. this has no benefit to Faster me because I cannot sleep on planes. So I need you to fix that problem. How do I sleep on a plane? Why can't you sleep on the plane though? Because I can't sleep on a plane because I'm six, six and they're built for very small people. I can fall asleep in cars yeah, I don't know if the listeners know this. Matt's very tall. I don't know. I, it's not something I advertise. I think it's come up before on the podcast. Has it? Yeah, I no. think so. You don't, like, I'm not a fan of the slower plane because like Leah, I can't sleep on a plane. Well, the less demand for the tickets means it's going to be cheaper, which will be great for me. Will that trade-off mean that you can have beds on the slower planes? That's what I'm thinking, right? Well, this is really, by slower planes, I'm really talking like uh, blimps. Like, how long would it take to go on a blimp? That might take, take too long, actually. I think that Jeez. probably takes too long. I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I first read yours, um, when I first read this, my, my, my first thought was... Uh, Rigid airships? Yeah, zeppelins. Dirigibles? But, dirigibles, but then, I mean, this is, this is not just the transmission of people or the transportation of people, but this could potentially also be hydrogen transportation from point A to point B. But then I remembered... Flying hydrogen? I mean, that's what a Zeppelin is, right? Oh, the humanity. <laughs> Problem being, of course, it's the least dense thing out there. and You wouldn't be moving much from A to B. There's a theme here, though, <laughs> between many of these ideas, beyond the marketing, is uh, consumer optionality 
oh. price discovery. Price discovery. And being able to sell, you know, actualize those values. I would like to go slower. I would like that option. I think that many people are in my boat because I like to think of people as being like me. Different options on electricity usage. Yep. I, Optionality, connecting it all together. Look, at you. Look, is look at you connecting it all together. What a great, what a great star of a podcast. Okay, Leah, uh, okay. give us your last half baked idea. Yep. Uh, all right, it's got a tagline, of course. So, opt in, save the distribution lines. Slash, so there's two here. Community infrastructure opt in. So, sim simple concept that is already baked in other constructs. So, if you think about a green power program that a utility has run you investor utility or public power may offer where someone can opt in, right? Like okay. purchase green power credits. So you could do this for distribution lines or other infrastructure in your community. So bear with me for a second. So we know that aging infrastructure is a huge problem, right? Yep. And we also know like anytime a utility is talking about the cost for that, super high, no utility wants to have to raise rates to cover, recover costs if, if they don't have to. And so I think if you, again, we're going to marketing and there may be like a kid element here too. If you can make the community infrastructure for the utility be something that people buy into, like these are my distribution lines in my neighborhood. Send me a picture of them. Like show me like where they are in my neighborhood. Tell me about them. Like when were they created? How long have they been there? What are the problems that are going on with these particular poles in my neighborhood? Just really personalize it to me. I don't know if you do that through like a mailer or what have you, or if you make it more high tech, if it's something that comes through your phone. But the idea is that if you get people to buy into their, their infrastructure in their community, they may be willing to pay a little bit more on their bill for it, right? Because it becomes something that they know, they engage with. It may be very specific to people that are sort of nerdy and like things like that. Hey, we need a, we have, we have a market for that. <laughs> well, we, we know, right? We are the market for <laughs> that. You are the brute squad. So, yeah. uh, but especially just kind of building on your first idea, yeah. if, if, we, if we begin the indoctrination early, people will already be engaged, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Education. I said indoctrination. Right? Like so I meant indoctrination. If she gets a but... mailer about some distribution lines, I guarantee you it's a distribution line or a poll Somehow that'll be exciting. It's like, that's in my neighborhood and I know that place. See, right? the, well, the, the problem I have with it is if I get a mailer, I can promise you it's going to go gonna directly go into the recycling bin. Yeah. That's why they call so, it direct yeah. mail. Is that why? Direct into recycling. Hmm. I, I was going to, I've learned yeah, a lot. I, today. As, no, I made that up. As a whole, as a wholesale <laughs> power guy, I feel like it's, obli I'm obligated here to say a little that this is similar to the subscriber PTO transmission model into Kaiso where, uh, you, uh, transmission line is built into California independent system operator, delivers into Kaiso, and is part of the Kaiso system, but does not increase costs for transmission in the in the market. Um, because it's paid for by the subscriber. It's paid for by, uh, well, in this case, the one example is the Sierra Madre uh, Chokecherry uh, wind project, that six gigawatt Wyoming wind project basically building its own line into Kaiso, delivers into Kaiso, it's part of the Kaiso system, but it doesn't- uh, Doesn't pay the tack. Yeah, yes, thank you. That's what I couldn't think. Yes, Trans doesn't pay the tack, yes, yep. doesn't pay the tack. Yep. Um, or isn't, it doesn't increase the tack. Yep. And participant, you know, community transmission. Community transmission. 
like I was I was more interested in baking the marketing side of this mm -hmm. because I do really enjoy I think Washington Department of Natural Resources has this Twitter account which does a really good job of marketing like Washington's natural resources and I was thinking of it like oh this is a marketing campaign built around your distribution poles in the neighborhood yeah that's kind of what I was thinking yeah, too and I you get people idea. to like yeah yep. think of it as like you know kind of like there's the community garden and there's also this community infrastructure and yeah you, you got to figure out the marketing and how to how to get there yep. yeah that's what I really enjoyed about it Yimby oh it's a Yimby account that's how you create Yimbys what's a Yimby Insta Yimby mm. yes in my backyard Ah, I have not heard that acronym. Really? It's always known. Oh, you're you're behind the way times. healthier. You're life. so <laughs> you're so innocent. <laughs> well, I don't do Twitter. Maybe that's part of it. <laughs> Good you're choice. way better off. Do Twitter? Twitter and, and is that even how you say it? That's, I don't know. that's how at our age. That's how we say it. Yeah, yes. yeah I love. I really liked the idea of like the getting a. a, a meme with the local distribution line showing it to the kids, mm -hmm. or I don't really want the kids to have their own phone but um <laughs> yeah I, I love that aspect of it the marketing you can print it out and show it to them just like you know grandma used to make right yeah, just like grandma used to do and grandma shares memes and you yeah. can do that and in the same text stream you can get the text to bid oh look at this poor poll put it together. look at this poor distribution line oh it's really stressed right now i'll give you five dollars and you can turn off all your stuff so that this poll um, doesn't burn. That got dark. Ugh, that got dark. No, but I like how you connected it. And it also connects to the higher level idea about, right, increasing the education. Because if you're getting all this information, you're going to have more questions and you're going to be learning more. You know, what, what are all these things? Definitely um, have big yeah. ideas. And it was, it was fun. Anything else you wanted to add before we close it out? I enjoyed this conversation. I enjoyed that big ideas. It was good. I did too. This Thank is you. fun. This is a good yeah. new segment. Good. Like well, it. Thank you for your effort, your preparation, participation. I hope you feel seen, heard, valued, and appreciated. Do you feel seen and heard, Ben? I do, Paul. I do always do. Good. Do you feel valued and appreciated, Leah? I sure do. Matt, do you feel like you belong? Are you, are you glad to be here? Do you feel uh, like occasionally, yeah. I'm glad to be here, yeah. Good. Thank you. Public Power Underground is a co-production of Newsdata and Seattle City Light. The views and half-baked ideas are not the views of Seattle City Light, Newsdata, or the organization of the guests appearing on Public Power Underground. They may not that. even be reflective of the guests' views, frankly. Quite, yeah. I don't know. I don't know that they're... I'd like online. to disown my own views. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, none of my ideas were actual ideas that I subscribe to, just for the record. Yeah, I, I have no <laughs> ideas or opinions about anything. I quite frankly think text to bid is a great half-baked idea, and I hope I uh, bake it more. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's work to watch. It's a bust, but we'll roll on, enthusiasts, roll on. Roll on, enthusiasts, roll on. Public Power Underground is a production of Seattle City Light and News Data. The views expressed to our own and not the official views of Seattle City Light, Tacoma Power News Data, or the organization of the guests also appearing on Public Power Underground. Public Power Underground is electric utility and electric utility adjacent news from a power department's perspective. Today's episode was written and produced by Paul Dockery and Almaz Nagesh, and it's edited and published by the stellar team of Pioneer Utility Resources with sound mixing by Lucas Smith and video editing by Brendan Delzer. Our theme song, Roll On Enthusiasts, was rewritten, performed, and recorded by Aaron Guillory and Ian Bledsoe. You don't have to be subscribed to News Data's weekly newsletters to get this podcast, but it sure makes the podcast make a lot more sense. Public Power Underground for electric utility enthusiasts. Public Power Underground, it's work to watch.
bring in some people way smarter than us. Those in the industry with knowledge to trust.